Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on this week's episode, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Weiland. Andrew, how are you doing? Good. Weather is good, and you know the school year is almost over, and I know some parents sort of dread that, but uh, <laughs> I don't. I like having... School year is too stressful trying to make sure my my son doesn't uh, flunk out of high school. So <laughs> it's a little, he gets relaxed. We get to relax, have some fun in the summer. Have so, we made it through finals yet and, and passed all the Almost there. Or? Almost the school year is almost nearing the end. I don't know who's more relieved, you or uh, your son. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's dive in here to our uh, weekly insider story spotlight. This is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes insiders. Uh, if you are an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that. That helps support our work, makes it possible for us to do what we do. Uh, insiders get access to all of our locked stories, discounted event admissions, and some other benefits. If you're not a subscriber, it's really easy to do so. Go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button, and for the equivalent of $8 a month, you can become an insider. Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week? Uh, The one I chose this week, I had a story about Masters Gallery, which is a uh, a major cheese... um, they're not a producer of cheese, but they're a, a distributor of cheese products, cheese suppliers, how they describe themselves. Uh, one of the several major cheese companies in Plymouth, in Sheboygan County, um, they recently completed a $60 million expansion of their Oosburg facility. That's, that's also that's a town in Sheboygan County, doubling the size of the Oosburg facility. Um, they're, they're looking to add 105, jo- 105 jobs as part of this expansion and uh, the state was announcing one and a half million dollars of possible tax credits for it. So that was how it hit the news. But um, just great to see Masters Gallery, um, one of these major Sheboygan County companies, continuing to really do well and create more job opportunities. Certainly. And we should highlight uh, coming up on June 15th, we've got our Sheboygan County 2035 event taking place. Uh, So if you're up in the Sheboygan business community, uh, join us for that event at Lakeland University. It's a free event. Um, We'll have a couple of great panel discussions. Andrew, I know you're leading one of those on some of the efforts around affordable housing. Yep. Also have one focused in on uh, workforce strategies uh, and a few others, um, mental health, childcare, innovation, things being addressed. So um, again, uh, June 15th at Lakeland. Uh, go to biztimes.com slash annual dash events to sign up for that one. Um, my insider story spotlight this week is, I'll be a little selfish and, and highlight one I wrote, um, published today. Uh, it's on the state of uh, commercial and industrial lending in Wisconsin, business lending. Um, the Wisconsin Bankers Association puts out a quarterly report that kind of breaks on the financials of banks in the state. And one of the items in there was uh, highlights the the amount of commercial industrial loans banks have on their balance sheets. Um, And that was down 14% year over year, uh, which is kind of a a 
you know, big number and you look back and basically for four straight quarters, it's been down double digits. What do you think about a little bit, uh, the PPP loans, um, that were so prominent in 2020 and 2021, um, have been kind of working their way through the system, um, on and then off of the books of these banks. Uh, so the question I really had though, is how is thing, how things looked here in the second quarter, this data went through the end of the first quarter, uh, since then, since the end of March, we've had no shortage of uncertainty and turmoil, whether it's uh, in the stock market or uh, with interest rates or the war in Ukraine or more lockdowns in China. So the question I put to a number of local bankers was, um, how are things going, basically, in the second quarter? And the answers I got, uh, I was ready for doom and gloom and kind of, you know, businesses are pulling back. And the answer I got was more. Yeah, we've got challenges. We've got issues with supply chains, the issues with finding labor, but it wasn't like businesses are stopping their investments um, or stopping borrowing. Um, a lot of them, it seems, know that interest rates will probably continue to go up throughout the year, and so you're better. It's better to borrow now than maybe a year from now, when who knows where interest rates could be. A lot of the banks pointed to you know. Yes, rates are going up, but they're not um, anything like they were maybe 15 years ago or more. Uh, we've had a, a low interest rate environment for a long time. Uh, people said, you know, yeah, people might be fearing a recession, but it doesn't appear to be a 2008-2009 style recession. And even if it were, banks are in a much better place than they were back then. Um just a number of interesting insights, kind of a, a chance to take the pulse of the Southeastern Wisconsin um, economy and, and business community uh, through the banks that lend to those folks. So um, a lot of interesting insights. Check that one out if you are an insider. Yeah, it was an interesting report. And um, quite frankly, I felt a little better about the economic uh, situation after reading it. So um I think you know what 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 is an interesting point is the 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 better position that banks are in um right now that 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 sector compared to the great recession which really was a banking industry collapse um they're much better positioned to weather the storm and you know and not actually cause the storm mm-hmm. um so i think that's 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 encouraging certainly well, let's switch gears uh, to our big story of the week, and it's news that broke here on Friday morning. Um, Don Smiley will be retiring as CEO of Milwaukee World Festival, uh, the operator of Summerfest and the Summerfest Grounds, um, as of the end of 2023. Um, certainly big news in Milwaukee entertainment that he'll be stepping down. Um, Andrew uh, what makes this so significant? Well, of course, Summerfest, you know, one of Milwaukee's most significant cultural icons. And um, so the person that, that runs Summerfest is is responsible for maintaining um, this treasure of Milwaukee, the world's largest music festival. Um and it's you know it's it's kind of amazing to me that Smiley has been there since 2004, so he's he's had a long tenure, and um, and it's been a very significant tenure. Um, you know, he 
his legacy, I think, will be that he he turned Summerfest into a a notably significant, a notably different direction than what Bo Black had done. Of course, Bo Black was his predecessor, did an incredible job of growing Summerfest into the, a huge event. Bo Black was a phenomenal PR type figure, just an, uh, endlessly promoting. Smurfest and growing it to to record crowds and really her ability to ma- make Smurfest into an event that was a must go you know you had to be there um and 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 that was really what she was all about was was promoting the event as the place to be and and getting as many people to go quite frankly as possible they were always hyping the attendance figures and and all that you know smiley had a different approach with Summerfest, which was frankly to de-emphasize attendance, um, which was sort of surprising. But his feeling was it was okay to have, in fact, preferable to have lower attendance so that it wasn't a jam-packed, your, you know, like sardine experience on the Summerfest grounds. There'll be a more enjoyable experience for people going. And I think, frankly, a better environment for people to spend money, quite honestly, buy food and drink and and other things. Um, The other thing that I think Smiley will be remembered for is we've seen improvements, dramatic improvements up and down the Smurfest grounds. I mean, just about every square inch of that Henry Meyer Festival Park now has been significantly upgraded. Millions and millions and millions of dollars to every single stage has, has been rebuilt, it seems like. Um, so massive changes to the, the physical presence of Summerfest and a change to just the experience of it that crowd size is now de-emphasized, experience is more important. I think, you know, it's it's less of an event for the masses than it used to be. You know, tickets and everything else cost more, but it's, it's still you know, certainly a, a reasonably affordable event to attend, but it's not as affordable as it used to be. It's it's more driven by higher quality experience, higher revenue per uh, festival goer. I, I'm, I'm sure that that's clearly the model, and a much much improved uh, festival grounds. So it's a very impressive and very significant legacy that. Uh, that Smiley leaves leaves behind uh, mm-hmm. in a year and a half from now. Yeah, certainly. So he'll be the end of 2023 is when he actually would, would step down um, as CEO. Um, they've named a successor for him as um, president, Sarah Smith Pencheri, um, who is currently the chief operating officer and vice president of sales and marketing, um, will take over as president. And Smiley will remain CEO through December 2023. Um, I mean, it's also, you know, more change for Summerfest where uh, Bob Babish, the executive who's historically been in charge of um, of the entertainment and and booking all of the the shows, especially those at the amphitheater. um, He's going to be stepping aside, um, I think, at the end of this year. So um, a lot of change. Plus, then you throw in. Some of us convert converting to kind of a different model in terms of you know when it when it runs um, you know versus the 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 ten day eleven day stretch kind of going to the weekends 
that's interesting. Um, and you know, that's all kind of amidst the back backdrop of, and there are more, um, music festivals, you know, Lollapalooza down the Chicagoland in Chicago. Um, you know, there's festivals all over the country that draw people and, you know, it's kind of a, maybe a different environment for Summerfest in terms of attracting artists and attracting attendees, things like that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next, you know, few years. Right. Yeah. Um, so big shoes to fill with Smiley and Babish. Um, so the, the, the newcomers are, are, have, have their work cut out for them to live up to those responsibilities. Um, yeah. And you mentioned just kind of the current music, uh, environment, um, artists, artists need a tour to make money, uh, in this day and age, they're not selling CDs anymore. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of other events going on that Smurfest competes with now. Um, and, and a lot of other concert opportunities, but it's it's still clearly a strong player. Um, Henry Meyer Festival Park is they they have one one of their top concert lineups, not just during Summerfest, but also the whole summer long, between the American Family Insurance Amphitheater and the BMO Harris Pavilion. The lineup for the summer is the the biggest or the busiest they've had in fifteen or twenty years. So they have, they have a great summer of, of shows lined up for them. And so, so they're, they're, they're competing very, very well. Um, but now you have, you're going to have new leaders that have to keep that going. And you mentioned, interestingly, the new approach to Summerfest this year with the three weekend approach, as opposed to the basically two weekends with a week in between run that it traditionally has been, um, you know, they tried this last year they, due to the pandemic. It was pushed back to the fall. It was held on, you know, three weekends in September. Um, you know, attendance was way down, of course. And you had to, you had to be vaccinated or you had to have a negative COVID test to get on the ground. So there were all kinds of reasons that attendance was down last year. They're now trying, you know, those the COVID restrictions are gone but they're trying the three weekend approach just back in the summer again, where it belongs. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I know they've said they'll evaluate after this year, how that works out. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think it will do well, quite honestly. I think, you know, if you're, if you're focusing on weekends in the summer, I think those are your best attendance days. It'll, it'll probably be a success and that very well could be the new normal of Summerfest. We'll see. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's kind of interesting. It'll be interesting just in terms of, you know, what kind of, what that means for the crowds, what that means for, you know, the, the profile of who decides to show up, um, whether that makes it skew older, skew younger, yeah. who knows. Um, interesting just looking at uh, the announcement that some of us made and, and what actually what Smiley had to say about um, Sarah Smith Pancheri, who's, um, we'll be replacing him, described her as one of the most talented executives I have ever hired and promoted. Um, credited her with forging relationships locally and nationally with a variety of stakeholders involved in Summerfest and the festival grounds. Um, apparently uh, has been quite involved in 150 million in capital development on the grounds. So that goes to all the improvements we were talking about. So um, 
so interesting track record. It was also interesting to just, I hadn't realized um, having not been, you know, covering it when he was brought to Milwaukee that uh, Don Smiley was CEO of the Florida Marlins um, back in the, in the nineties when they uh, were started and won their world series um, and worked at Blockbuster and also was a director of sales and marketing at the Honda Classic uh, golf tournament on the PGA Tour uh, back into the, I think it was in the 80s. So, yeah, and I think that was all on. under, you know, I think that was all Wayne Huizenga, who, if I'm not mistaken, owned the Marlins, owned Blockbuster. Man, I think that's how I made his fortune, I believe, and came to own the Marlins. And, um, you know, so that was all these kind of Florida sports and entertainment things that Smiley was doing. I believe, if I remember correctly, he was from Racine originally, so I think there was there was a local tie that brought him back. But yeah, he came he came uh, he came to Summerfest with a very impressive resume. Someone who knew how to run major events, um, major entertainment events, how to handle crowds, how to you know do food and beverage operations and all that for events. So um, he brought a lot of that with him, and and. Made some significant, make significant, some significant changes to how Summerfest does what it does. So it's a very interesting legacy he he leaves. Certainly, and we'll continue to cover uh, the legacy of Summerfest going forward. Uh, with that, we'll wrap up here on the Biz Times MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. Andrew, thanks for joining me as always. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.